This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hi, good to have you along on this podcast. And we were talking movies with our film critic, William Mullally. And he came up with his top 10 favourite films of 2023. Some unusual ones in there, maybe some that you do know, some that you don't. But uh, it was a great conversation. Don't forget as well to join us live each and every weeknight, 8 through 10, here on Dubai I 103.8 for the night shift. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back into the show. William Mullally joins us, the arts and culture editor of uh, The National. William, great to have you. And uh, we've been doing this a number of years now. And our kind of top ten lists of great movies of the year often quite differ. Um, so you're going to come up with with your 10 of uh, some of your choice picks of 2023. And I think we'll also look forward as well to what's going to be happening next year. Welcome into the show, William. So where are we going to start? All right. We're going to start over yonder in Japan. Um, so my number 10 pick, I think, honestly, I think it's good that we start here because this is also kind of my New Year's resolution for myself. Yeah. I've decided that I'm going to watch more anime. I've long loved reading manga. I, I always mix it in. I, I feel like there's something about that, that sort of storytelling sensibility that is just full of creativity, full of great ideas. And it's just so pleasing. And I feel like, especially with, it's hard to find things that are easy to go down that are not maybe marred with different, you know, agendas and or maybe different, you know, executives who are going for a certain formula of success. It just feels like over in Japan you get this sort of more pure creativity that is lost yeah, yeah. in a lot of Western fare. And not to mention you get beautiful animation. So that's why I've gone with the second best um, anime film of the year. I've actually put two on my list with Suzume. Suzume. Okay. Um, it sounds very Japanese. <laughs> I know my son will know exactly what you're talking about as he is an anime super fan there's no two ways about it he goes and watches them all um at the cinema and i must just drop in if you're ever in japan go to kyoto and they have the most incredible anime museum i once went there on a press trip and they took me around this anime museum they even had artists there who drew me as an anime character it's absolutely brilliant if you're into that sort of thing so tell me about this movie yeah that's the thing i feel like if you do want to know where the winds are blowing. They are blowing towards old Japan. It, it, because it, it just feels like the next generation, when they're looking for these sort of big feelings, big emotions, this is where you can find them. And I think no filmmaker does that better than this one. Um, he came very famous. He's you know, been great for a long, long time. But he became very famous with the record-setting film Your Name, okay. which was about, it's a love story, between people who are in a different time um, communicating with each other. It sounds a little bit like the lake house with Keanu Reeves, but trust me, it's much better. <laughs> um, followed that up with uh, Weathering With You, which was even more acclaimed and even more successful, and Suzume was the latest. Also, a gigantic box office hit in Japan and across the world. It did show in UAE cinemas earlier this year. This one is about a you know the titular young woman of Suzume who meets a, a young man who basically is in charge of keeping all of these portals 
all across Japan in check. And if they open, then bad things will come out and destroy everything. Um, she accidentally causes something to happen at the beginning that causes him to be turned into a chair. <laughs> Stay with me. And she and this chair, which can now move and talk, um, wander around Japan chasing after a cat who is opening all these portals. It sounds so silly when I lay it out. I can't even believe I just explained that or put this on my list. Oh, I'm ashamed of myself. Talking I chair. Promise, I promise it's much more beautiful. Um, than you might think, and much more emotional. Okay, um, so that's your uh, number 10 pick. Um, swiftly moving along um, what, <laughs> to number nine, what have you chosen there? So we're staying on things that I don't think will ever pop up on your radar with a wonderful film, film from Kelly Reithart called Showing Up, starring Michelle Williams, who is, to me, probably the second best actress working today behind Kate Blanchett. Um, obviously we love, you know, Meryl Streep, et cetera, but yeah. I think that, you know, Michelle is just really, as an actress, just turning in amazing work and I think still being underrated for it. She just has amazing physicality and here she just completely embodies an artist in a small town who does these small sculptures on the, you know, the anticipation of her big show at a local gallery and we follow her struggle through this. Um, it's a very small film, but beautiful. We, we see, you know, her, um, she accidentally causes an accident to a bird and a pigeon, in fact, and feels so responsible for it that she, you know, nurses it back to health. And she's, you know, troubled. She's very flawed. She's not really a nice person to anyone. But it's just something about it that just really brings you in, stays with you, and does become unexpectedly moving by the end. I promise not all of my films are going to be this weird or this indie, but <laughs> this one definitely stayed in my heart, so I had to put it on the list because it definitely deserves uh, more audience to, to pick up. Here's the trailer then for Showing Up. Hi. She's amazing. Love the green stockings. You're Lizzie, right? I can't figure out what class this is, but I really want to join it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do without hot water. My show's open on Friday. I'll be free to deal with it after that. I have a show too, you know. You're not the only one with a deadline. I know, but I have two shows, which is insane. Well, there's a trailer showing up at number nine on William Mullally's top ten of uh, movies for 2023. Okay, let's get your uh, number eight. So this one you have heard me talk about before. We are, in fact, just talking about it um, before Christmas. This one is The Holdovers. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful film. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet. I've seen the trailer. It looks fantastic. Oh, you will love it. So there are 12 days of Christmas, I'll remind you. So if you can get your five golden rings out of the way. Um, I would definitely um, put on this film. It is just a wonderful story about a teacher in a, a school that no one likes who is stuck over the holiday break with a student that he can't get along with. Just wonderful. Paul Giamatti doing the best work of his career. It's funny. It's heartfelt. I think it's one for the whole family. Um, really, really, I, I think it's going to have great staying power because I've already watched it twice and I liked it better the second time. So he goes very well. <laughs> Here's the trailer for The Holdovers. 
Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I had you guys stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on us. Yeah, Paul Giamatti at his best there in The Holdovers. We're looking at William Mullally's top ten movies. Our film critic now to number seven. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, I, before we go on to seven, though, I do want to say, you can just hear how 70s it is in that trailer, right? Like yeah. the, the voiceover, everything. Oh, I love how much of a throwback it is. But yeah. okay, yeah. number seven for me. We are staying on the, the anime theme. But the last one, I promise. This one, I think, has captured a bit bigger of an audience. In fact, it was the number one film in the United States um, this month. Um, it's called The Boy and the Heron. And it is the what was going to be the final, hopefully now will not be the final film, of Hayao Miyazaki, the grandmaster of animation across the world, most famous for you know films such as Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, uh, Princess Mononoke, and A Sicker Valley of the Wind. It goes on and on and on. We thought that he was done 10 years ago with The Wind Rises, which actually pairs very well with another film on this list. But really, The Boy and the Heron is, I think, a much better send-off if it does become that. He's already said that he's hard at work on another film, even though he keeps trying to retire, because I think the work itself is so painful, but the reward it gives, I think, to both him and us is so great, it's hard for him to say no. This one is just a beautiful, almost Alice in Wonderland-like tale of a boy who's transported into another place um, after he moves to the, the home of his new mother after his mother died. Um, really beautiful. I think it's just a movie you should just sit and take in. It's I, I feel like the, the narrative can be a bit unconventional. Sometimes he just throws ideas out at you. But I think if you just expect it to be a simple little fable and take it in as such, you will have one of the best times you'll have this year at the movies. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking movies with William Mullally, looking at his top ten favourites from 2023. We've arrived at number six. What have you got for us, William? This one, okay, we're going back to weird a little bit, but maybe a bit more uh, mainstream weird than some of my other picks. This one is starring the brilliant Joaquin Phoenix. I know one of my favorite actors and yours, but it is called yep. Bo is Afraid. It's the latest film from the horror impresario, um, Ari Oster, who famously uh, made you know two wonderful films that I have gone back and forth between loving and hating, um, called Hereditary and Midsommar. This one is not a horror film at all, and I think people expected it to be and didn't really know what to make of it. it it's a bit confusing, but I process it as a pure comedy, honestly. It's a bit of a horrific comedy, but it's about a man who's plagued by his own indecision. He just, he's, he's nervous, he can't make up his mind, he's just paralyzed. Um, he can't get his life to move on from when he was a kid, and he just keeps getting pulled into a nightmare scenario after nightmare scenario because he's unable to take control of his own life. And I don't think anyone can play that sort of weakness and still make it feel soulful than Joaquin Phoenix can. So honestly, I laughed harder at this movie than I have at any movie in recent memory. Though for this one, I would say don't watch it with the kids because it can get 
a bit weird, even for the, the most <laughs> prepared of audiences. It's weird for uh, even for William Mullally by the sounds of it, but uh, whacking Phoenix can do no wrong for me. Right now, uh, number five, counting down our top five. What have we got? Another man who can do no wrong for me is Martin Scorsese. And I loved his latest film, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Just, I, I think it's shown that he's not just a guy who still has it as an octogenarian as he is now, but I think he might be doing some of the best work of his career. Because he finds a way, you know, he's always told these stories of incredibly flawed people who are existing within a very, you know, shallow society that are just incredibly taking advantage of other people's goodwill, that are finding ways to... I think exploit weakness and to thrive um, based on the the different flaws that you know the world that we exist in has presented. This one is very racialized. Of course, we have a um, a indigenous tribe um, in the United States who stumbled upon oil and became the the richest people in in history um, to that point per capita, the Osage Nation, and they were preyed upon. Um, by people who felt that they did not deserve what they had. Mm, and we yeah. come into that, you know, a few decades into the project following a couple of people who are, you know, doing just that to these people, played by Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. You may have heard of them. <laughs> right. And they are just awful here. They're impossible to like, just playing the worst characters of their careers. So if you're sitting, if you're the type of person who needs to watch a movie and needs to feel like I need to root for these people or why do I care about this person who's obviously so horrible? Why won't this man treat his wife better? What's going through his head? Does he even have a brain in his skull? Well, the answer is no, um, and probably don't watch this. But if you can, I, I think, look at some more of the nuances and through the hate, see how much love is behind it, behind the camera especially, because so many of the choices that Scorsese makes here in delivering, you know, violence that never feels exploitative, that always feels like he's making sure that you don't get a thrill out of watching these reenacted real deaths. And even in telling this story, he is still exploiting them in some way, which ends the film on an incredibly powerful note in which he indicts himself. I won't tell you how, but honestly, I think it might be easily in my top five Scorsese movies, let alone my top five movies of the year. Killers of the Flower Moon. Whose land is this? My land. Well, 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 our war hero has arrived. You made a good choice coming back here. Those days are the finest, wealthiest, and most beautiful people on God's earth. They outsmart everybody. They have the say. Who gets the oil? Son, I got a question. You like women? <laughs> That's my weakness. <laughs> There's a trailer then for Killers of the Flower Moon, the latest from Martin Scorsese. We're up to number four with William Mullally's picks of 2023. What have you got for us, William? Okay, we are going back to Japan, I will say. I, did, I like Japan this year. This one is called Monster. Um, it was recently playing in Cinema Akil in Dubai um, from the can-winning an Oscar-nominated director. can't remember if he won, but um, Corey Ada is his name. Just a wonderful, wonderful filmmaker. Here, I think, delivering my favorite film from him that I've seen. Maybe, okay, maybe not. I, Afterlife is amazing about people who are trapped in the afterlife, reckoning with their own death. That one's great. This one is a, a lot more straightforward. This one is 
Well, straightforward might not be the right way to talk about it. It's really a mystery. It is, we're following three characters, a mother whose son is being bullied at school and she doesn't know how to deal with it. She blames the teacher. And the teacher, um, who is dealing with his own struggles, and then the boy, who is actually hiding a lot more from his mother than she realizes. And we see each of their stories concurrently and separately. And slowly, in seeing these different perspectives, we ultimately figure out what was really going along all the time. And really, it's just a powerful and an empathetic and human story that's really not about the different ways that we perceive things, but the, the ways in which we you know, don't perceive each other correctly, the ways in which we judge others based on inconclusive and incomplete views of their situation. And so I think it makes you look at everyone around you very differently. So easily one of my favorite films of the year. Okay, we got number three, two, and one to uh, look at, William. Um, very quickly, what have we got to <laughs> check out? Number three. So, you know I could talk all day. Yeah, I know. Number three. We've talked about it many times, so I'll, 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 I'll break through them. This one is called Oppenheimer. You may have heard oh, of it. Oh, yes. about a billion dollars. Just, I think, Barbie, I think, it came out the same day as Barbie. Yeah. There's a reason that people are still talking about Oppenheimer. Barbie has fallen off, because... Oppenheimer is the one that not only was it just, you know, the, I think lifted by this hype cycle, it has so much substance. There's so much of the human experience in this film. So even if you don't care about world war two history, you are on top of Oppenheimer. I will say, watch this again. If you haven't already seen it. Yeah. Okay. That's Oppenheimer at three. Uh, Number two. This one is in cinemas right now. And I, I, I urge you, I demand you go see it especially because it's not probably on your radar. This one is called Goodbye, Julia, by the amazing Sudanese director, uh, Mohamed Kordofani. Just an incredibly talented guy in his debut, turning in what is, I think, a genuine masterpiece. A story about racism in Sudan, following a husband and wife and their housekeeper, um, the housekeepers from the South, and you basically learn about the ways the society ultimately fell apart when the South ended up voting to secede. You see the strife that was existing in the underbelly of that society, and I promise you, it's not boring. It's completely accessible. You can bring your mom to this, and she'll love it. This is not an indie, weird foreign film. This is <laughs> the most enjoyable film, albeit a powerful and sometimes painful film that you will see this year. And only one film, I think, I would recommend above it, and that one is called my number one film, Anatomy of a Fall, from Justine Triette. This is a French film that is a also a mystery story, but it is a whodunit that can be better described as a did she do it. We have a woman whose husband dies at the beginning of the film. She is blamed for it, and throughout the film, you basically will change your mind a hundred times over whether or not you think that she did it because the performance is so good, the writing is so good, and it unveils in such a delicious way. So Anatomy of a Fall is my favorite film of 2023. Lovely, William. Uh, Mine is Barbie, and I'm sticking with Barbie (laughs) as I was thoroughly entertained and absolutely loved it. But, I mean, just very quickly, looking forward to 2024, we've got Deadpool to look forward to. Uh, Beetlejuice 2, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, also the second part of Dune and Venom 3. Um, Exciting times ahead. Well, honestly, I think at the end of the year we're going to look back and none of those sequels are going to be on my list. I mean, maybe Dune 2. I'm going to leave that open to surprise me, especially if it's filmed here in Abu Dhabi. But honestly, I can't wait to discover what I don't even know about yet. Well, William, once again, a very, very happy 2024 to you. And thank you so much for being with us. Even if some of those films are a little bit weird, we still love you and a happy new year. 
You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.